0: Good day and welcome to Frontline Chatter Episode 6. Today we have Gunnar Berger, CTO of Desktops and Apps from Citrix. How's it going today, Gunnar? Good, Jerry Thanks
1: for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, Andy and myself are excited to have you. So today, myself and Andy will be asking you some questions. Um, good morning, Andy.
2: Good morning, guys. Uh, Gunnar, thanks so much for, for for joining us on the call today. As you know, myself and Jerry are, are big Citrix fans, and the ability to have uh, the CTO of Apps and Desktops on is a, is a real pleasure. So thanks, man. Yeah, thanks. I think it's cool that you guys are doing this thing.
0: Yeah, so let's, uh, we know you're a busy man, so let's jump right into things. So, you know, you've gone from consultant to working at uh, a couple of you know, different various companies to being an analyst, um, and then now you're, um, As the CTO of desktops and apps, so can you kind of tell us what the transition has been like for you?
1: More than that, man, I. I, My first job, my first real job, I was a Citrix administrator, <laughs> so um, it's kind of crazy uh, that I, I'm in this role, knowing that where I started, I, I can remember my first interview um, at that job, and they asked me, you know, have I heard of Citrix, and I, you know, I, I, the answer was no, and now here I am in this seat, so um, yeah, it's been it's been a long journey for me, but uh, the transition, specifically your question, the transition from analyst to CTO, Um that, that's a, a kind of a weird one. On on one hand, it's cake, right? Um, as an analyst, what do you do? You talk to customers every day. You kind of talk about the best practices, the the right technology to solve the equation. Um, on the other hand, I find it difficult because my whole life it's been I, I I've been balanced in that. I don't care what technology you use. Um, songs you you know use me to help you find that <laughs> answer that question. Um, so I, I never had, you know, any kind of skin in the fight as far as uh, what technology you're using. Um, so that, and that would be true even as an analyst, right? It's just kind of what you talk about your use case, talk about your problem, and I'll bring you to the right answer for that. Um, and now it's, uh, you know, more the answer is going to be Citrix, and, but, uh, the questions are still the same. And um, that that's the one thing I, I, I find somewhat difficult. Um, but at the same time, I've, I think I've been able to find my own way of handling it, that I'm still me. Uh, I'm still um, a genuine person. And, you know, and when I'm on the phone with or if I'm you know, with a customer and if we can't do something, I just tell them we can't do that. You know, that's that's how I do it on my own. But if we can, I'm going to be very enthusiastic about what we can do.
0: So, from going from um, Gartner to Citrix, and I noticed you're based out of Georgia. So, was the travel more um, as an analyst, or is it more now that you're CTO at Citrix and having to go out to the to San Santa Clara area and then also Fort Lauderdale?
1: Uh, yeah, the travel's insane uh, in this job. Uh, see, actually, at, at the analyst job, there's very little travel. Um, the analyst gig—they don't want you to travel because they want you to be doing research. So. Um, like my house I, I've had this joke for a while is that my lab is worth more than my house and it's um, almost true <laughs> it's my lab is slightly less more less valuable than my house um, just because I had you know all these good vendor contacts and they'd send me a lot of expensive equipment I've got you know I think you guys have seen the picture I put on Twitter a while back of all my GPUs I had in the house and um, so I mean, Gartner just wants you to be, be in your lab, uh, building stuff out and then writing about it. And that's how they make money off of you versus if I'm out flying around doing a conference, you're actually um, not helping the cause in, in, some, in some cases because um, you're not writing research. So it's just kind of like a developer, right? You want the developer programming. So, you know, give, keep them in their cubicle as much as you can, feed them and, and let them program. Um, that's how kind of Gartner works. Whereas this gig, it's a lot more relational. And so I have to be, in, I, I have to get out of Georgia, um, and get to the customer or get to, um, my, my peers inside the, inside of Citrix.
0: Yeah, I can, I can kind of see then right there, you know, versus the, the research stance and then interacting with, a different team at Citrix to where your you know, your travel has gone a lot, a lot, has gone up a lot more than, than used to and, You know, also going to conferences as well, because in your CTO role now, being at the conferences actually helps you to where, as an analyst, you know, it wasn't uh, as beneficial to to Gartner. So I I can totally see that.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the um, I love the home lab piece as well, Gunnar. I mean, obviously, we in the in the in the community. I mean, the home labs vary from a couple of white boxes all the way up. And I think yourself and Jerry and would probably have the more professional slash mini data center for startups compared to compared to some of us. Um, yeah, so that's awesome. I like that bit.
1: Yeah, I had to run a 15 amp circuit out to uh, keep my lab running.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do the same thing. Actually, I have two different circuits and, and two different UPSs, 15 amp ones that I have to run stuff on and. Andy keeps laughing at me because every time we do a recording, because the way my office is set up now, my rack is too loud, so I have to shut everything down before we do a recording. (laughs) And I'm like, hold on a second, let me get all this ready. So it's always a pain right now until I redo my home office. Yeah,
1: that's – my problem was I I could ignore the the loudness of it just because I'm used to that, and, you know, my life as a consultant, you're always in the data centers doing stuff. Uh, It's the heat. (laughs) I couldn't deal with how hot my office would
0: get. I have the opposite problem. So mine's the noise when making these recordings. I've gotten the cooling problem down because I'm actually down in the basement, which stays relatively cool by itself. But then I have some fans down here as well. Yeah, the noise doesn't bother me. It's just when I'm recording, there's a lot of background noise that doesn't make for a good recording.
2: Oh, I have a, I have a, I have an the exact opposite problem. Actually, my wife will often go up and take my office PC so she can play games or do anything else, but and she'll intentionally tell me to turn to warm up the office for her. So <laughs> it's a, it's interesting how these things go. So let's
0: uh, talk about some, some roadmap at Citrix. So um, what kind of excites you the most on the product roadmap? And, you know, we've seen some good announcements, you know, from something from last year's Synergy to, to stuff leading to uh, Summit 2015, and then now we're getting ready to, to be um, into Synergy 2015. So what excites you most on, on the roadmap?
1: Uh, our workspace cloud. I think that that's the pivot that this company needs, and uh, the execution of that pivot is exciting to watch. And it's just it's perfectly in line with the way I think about what this uh, this industry. I mean, specifically the industry that uh, the three of us are you know passionate for. uh, It's what we need. Um, You know, if if you think about uh, one of the biggest problems, you know, why are we who we are? I mean, I think uh, you guys are both independent contractors, and that's kind of where I came from as well. Um, Is because you know enterprises have a hard time adopting new technologies. And, um, it's, you know, not their fault. It's, it's, they have limited resources. They have a lot of applications and to move from one to the other is extremely costly and time prohibitive. Um, so how do you, how do you change that? Right. That's not, that's not really something we can change just doing, you know, uh, Zen App 8.0, right. There's, it's just a lot of work going on with that. So you have to literally change the way that you approach building the product. Um, and so, moving into the cloud gives us um, the the benefits that the the benefits that you may not even think about of cloud. Because a lot of times people think of cloud as more of an OpEx versus a CapEx thing, but it's it's more than that. In this case, it's you know I'm on my computer right now and uh, I'm using I got Google Chrome up and Chrome. I have no idea what version Chrome is on. Right? It's just, it always is up to date, and that's just the way that Chrome always has been. Um, but if I go to my Gmail, um, in fact, I'm gonna, let me click on my Gmail right now, um, every once in a while, uh, when, you, when you log into Gmail, it says, hey, look at this new feature, right? Um, so the one that came out a while ago is this important thing, like it would try to automatically highlight your important emails. I didn't, as an enterprise, I didn't have to go out and, and deploy the next version of Gmail, right? I just logged into it, and it was the next version, and it had these new features in it. That's what we need uh, as a company, as an industry, is when the next version comes out. So when the next, you know, FrameHawk thing comes out or... Um, the, I don't know the the what we do with receiver with X X one when these things come out that we don't have this uh, multi year cycle of rollout where people are still on you know the previous version trying to get to the next version they just literally they they log into ZenApp one day and now those benefits of Framehawk are there or the benefits of maybe this next link thing that we do or they're just there um, I think that helps businesses be more agile it, it brings a much quicker time to value. And we absolutely have to do this because this is you know, this is why shadow IT exists. Is shadow IT is not something that uh, should be looked at as negative. I mean, these are the edge innovators, right? So when I look at shadow IT, I think of them as the, the innovation of the company. And why, why does it even exist? It's because the users want to go out and do what makes them work well as a business. So they'll go out and they'll just grab whatever app is available. Um, we need to bring that kind of drive into these core systems that a lot of businesses rely on, you know, Citrix, Zen apps and desktop. So um, Workspace Cloud is, to me, is just kind of the, the most awesome pivot that we can do to, to take away that barrier and make it easier for um, our, our customers, our, our, our partners, uh, to be able to get, get this product out and, and get the latest, coolest bells and whistles in front of their customers.
0: Yeah, the, the nice thing, too, I like about Workspace Cloud is it's kind of taken that, um, the share file route, where your share file, you have the the SaaS control plane, you know, managed by you guys, but you can put your data wherever you want, it, whether it's in Azure, whether it's on-prem, you know, whether it's in share file cloud itself, so I, I like that approach, and so we're kind of hearing your vision on Workspace Cloud, um, what's kind of your, you know, your what, what differenti, differentiates you from other things on the market today? Uh,
1: talking about ShareFile for a second, the, the, that business model takes a lot of stones <laughs> to, to do that. Um, they've actually pushed so far in, in ShareFile. They, we've had customers say, hey, we really like ShareFile. But we refuse uh, to buy it because, you know, you've got this cloud-based management plane. If you allow us to deploy that on-prem, then we'll buy your product. And I'm talking, you know, million-dollar deals. And uh, Sharefile has said no to those. Because um, as soon as you do that, you've taken away the benefit of it. Yep. I mean, what's the latest feature? You're not Now it's on-prem. Now you've got a new rollout. Now if you, if you haven't let us get that business agility that you need to have. And so that's... You know, taking that into ZenApp, taking that into Zen Desktop and Zen Mobile, and you know, all of our product lines, taking that type of capability, that type of mindset, um, is a big shift for us. But to your question, it's a major differentiator. No one's doing this, right? I mean, we all know who the uh, elephant in the room is here. Um, you know, they're they're out catching up to us, trying to trying to be ZenApp, and trying to be Zen Desktop. Well, we're trying to actually change ZenApp and Zen Desktop to a model that no one's there yet.
2: Yeah, no, no. I I oh, sorry, John. I was just going to say I, I think it's it's fantastic that uh, the Citrix Workspace Cloud uh, piece um as as you know drawing from the the experience you guys have with the share file um management plane. I mean it re- it allows you guys a really agile platform to develop on top of. You're you're no longer you know dog fooding it out to customers and waiting for them to download it and install it. You know dog fooding it internally yourself. You can literally carve stuff off, move it around. Put in the features that you wish to do, and only at a point does it, ne- you know, only at a point does it need to touch the the, the premise servers or the the, 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 the cloud-based ser- services. That uh, that the, the, they actually may need to upgrade a piece of software. It's uh, it, it's great, and um, it's 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 wonderful to hear you echoing through. Uh, uh, that is a uh, a pivot, and and B that is uh, the direction you need to go. Because I, I personally think it's really clever.
1: Have you guys seen this uh, drawing? I know this is a, a podcast, but um, have you seen this thing? I'm, I'm throwing on the screen for you. Um, of This on, on the left showing the blue of the way you currently deploy uh, a Zen desktop, Zen app environment. And just all the junk that involves with this. This is typically when I'm on stage. I, I talk about these things. There's This is the stuff that we put in front of you that actually blocks you to get to your values. Like, why are you deploying Zen desktop? Are you deploying to Zen desktop because you want to put up multiple delivery tr- controllers and SQL servers? No, you're deploying it because you want to you know, do a desktop. You, you want to get the whatever pristine desktop out, or if you're doing Zen app, you're doing it to get to an app. So this is a, a drawing I show. This is all the junk that we currently require uh, to, to roll out a Zen desktop environment. Let me move that out, out of the way. Um, and I don't care if you take a picture of this or not, guys. Um, then over here, we put in purple all the stuff that we take away in the workspace cloud. So you're not you're not having to do delivery control, or SQL servers, license servers, provisioning, storefront, gateway. All that stuff goes away. But the blue stays the same. And what's in the blue? The VMs. You control the VMs, and you know the applications and policies. That's the value. That's what customers want to deploy this technology for. All this other stuff. It's just simply stuff that we put as um, dependencies for you to get to the stuff that you really care about. So that's this. This is probably my favorite thing. This is what you know Joe made over in the, the CVC team. Um, but it just really shows very clearly that we're we're taking all the, the 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 stuff out of the way to get to the things that you want. I want a desktop, or I want an app. So you say I want, and then it's the app, and install your app, and and go. It's it's. It's a very smart play for
0: us. Yeah, I remember when you uh, had your session at Summit this year and, and you talked about this and you showed about how the different pieces um, spick, uh, uh, Sit um, fit into the the stack as far as, you know, Zen servers and desktop, you know, all the pieces, talking about the legacy deployment of Zen apps and desktop on-prem and then the, the grand vision of Workspace Cloud and how it's going to save you from a lot of moving pieces where you're just picking to where the workers go and through the edge service, um, you're, you're, you're allowed to pick, you know, whether it's on-prem, whether it's in Azure, you know, pretty much you pick the cloud it goes into and you guys are the control plane.
1: Yep. I had that. That was the next picture is the control plane. It's more than just the cloud, right? It's, um, you know, if you want it to be AWS, AWS, if you want to be Azure, Azure, but also if you want it on-prem, then it's on-prem. I'll, I'll pull up that picture too. Um, share that, share my screen again. Um. To share screen. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's it's on or off prem. It's just all you got to do is drop in this Edge service, which is this little MSI package. Um, let me see if I can log into my uh, Workspace Cloud account. It's a Workspace Cloud demo. Yeah, what we're going to
0: do for the listeners, too, what we'll do is um, if Gunnar will allow us, we'll, we'll get some of the screenshots he's showing and possibly uh, put these on the blog post when we actually post cool. out this, this uh, episode.
1: Yeah, I mean, any, anything I'm showing you guys, I'm, uh, you know, unless it's, you know, an email pops up my screen or anything. <laughs> so, outside of that, it's cool. I don't care. Uh, so, this is Workspace Cloud. Uh, this is my little demo account um, that they gave me. Uh, but uh, what was I going to show you? Oh, the Edge Service. So, let me see if I can remember how to do the Edge Service. I haven't done this in a while. Um, so, some Attendees, Offerings. Oh, let's just do Workspace. Um how about this? Maybe I probably shouldn't fumble with it. I'm just trying to find my Edge Service MSI for you guys, um, which is how you install the thing. It's so a little download. If I could
0: find yeah, i am actually, I've actually, um, in the interest of time, I've you actually, uh, I'm on the White Glove program, so I, I've gone through some of this as well. I've been giving some feedback, and I've liked what I've seen from when this first started. When myself and a couple other CTPs were brought in with uh, with, with Joe uh, Vicaro and um, at our last CTP meeting, and then kind of seen the evolution of it and the work you guys done, the feedback you've taken, and how, how it's actually been improved since that initial meeting we had with Joe. So it's, it's actually coming along very well, and I'm excited for this to actually launch to, to people can more people can see it and get their hands on it and see the value of it.
1: Ah, here it is. I found what I wanted to find. So it was under identity management. So because you want to add in your, your domain, uh, so you just you know download this edge service. So this is a little MSI package, and... Uh, what is it 10 megs or so 22 megs um, drop that inside your environment and that's how you get this little purple guy up here the edge service thing and then he's going to talk to your active director your storefront your hypervisor and, and handle all of these things but even the edge service guy is a managed thing this is still in purple this is still on us and then in the cloud runs everything else so it's I mean, it's it's so simple. In fact, um, so I was at GTC this week, um, and they did this really fun thing where they actually had NVIDIA versus VMware, and they you know did this race of who could set up uh, sixty VMs the quickest and nvidia won it was done in 60 minutes i think vmware took 63 minutes or something like that um and it was just fun fun competition right and so they, they approached me afterwards and said let's do this at synergy and so i've actually got our marketing guys uh running that down right now could we actually do that at synergy because i think it'd be a blast and um I, I i was uh joking with a a friend of mine from vmware and um you know a little, little bit of trash talk i'll admit but we're friends and um He said, uh, basically, he was telling me I can only use GA code, but he doesn't know what we're about to GA in Synergy. But I'm just thinking in Workspace Cloud, I could probably do this thing in about 15 minutes. (laughs) So um, while these guys are out there trying to configure all this junk, I'm just going to grab my 22 meg Edge site service or Edge service, double click it, connect to the cloud, and done. Because think about it. I mean, I want to set all this junk up, right? All, all, all that stuff's already running I just drop in the edge service and then I go to my my cloud management plane which is you know the, the web browser the website I had up a, a few minutes ago and I just say you know deploy 60 vms here's the VHD file go um, and and that's the end of it so it's it's kind of fun um, that I, I immediately could see it I'm probably going to do it in a race format synergy if I can get everything approved in time um, but it's just you know it's a different way to address this market and it's you know, I can do it in a in a in a fun way to show how quickly you can get something like this up and running, um, but also it becomes very relevant in in a business that it's not just about a game; it's about that uh,
0: time to
1: value. That time to value, yeah. Time to
0: value, yeah. And so, um, you know, you know, as we're going talking into Workspace Cloud, and we're going to talk about Workspace Pod here in a minute, but we, before we get into Workspace Pod, um, let's talk about the symbolic acquisition because that that's kind of in in the play with Sam, with Workspace Pod. So. What are your thoughts on on uh, the Sambolic acquisition, and can you kind of speak on the integration um, within the stack? You know, kind of the plans. I've seen some um, blog posts by Andy Wellmad about using it. You know, and I've used Sambolic in the past, and I use FS for doing things for PVS instead of having to replicate or use a a CIF share for for VDisk. Um, but kind of tell us about their software um, defined storage play, because a lot of us really haven't seen that. Most of us know Sambolic for the Miele FS and using it with PVS.
1: Yeah, so, and that's the big thing, is that most people have, have used it for that, the the Milio stuff, and um, it's, Milio is a product in, in and of itself. That's not necessarily the product that you're seeing us, uh, well, let me rephrase that. That's not the SDS product, okay? Um, so there's Milio, which does, you know, the kind of, I want to share a single file system across multiple Windows instances, and then there's SDS, or um well, I probably shouldn't use internal names, um, but you know, software-defined storage layer, which is what we acquired them for. Um, so, we uh, we needed to do an SDS play. In fact, um, that's kind of what I have done. <laughs> like the, the I've been here for almost a year now, and uh, I would say ninety percent of my time has been devoted to. Um, solving our hole in, in storage. Because um, as we all know, that's where a lot of the cost comes from. That's where a lot of the complexity comes from. And it's also where a lot of performance issues come from. Uh, which kind of, you know, takes out our top three issues <laughs> right there to uh, uh, do a solution for stored. Um, so that's pretty much what, what I've done since, com- since coming here is looking at uh, attacking that, that uh, hole in our technical stack. And uh, Sambolic is our answer to it. Um, so what we have with that, you're probably gonna have to wait, um, more for a synergy timeframe on that, but, um, you can think of it. I mean, SDS is not a a new concept, right? There's uh, a lot of people out there doing it right now. This is just, um, our concept. And when you talk to Emilio, that's kind of taking it up a level right now. So right now we're trying to get to, um, a GA of the SDS type product. Um, And then once we have that out the door, then we start talking about how does this Melio stack actually add additional value? Because there is a differentiator there as well, um, is being able to go into the application level um, that we get through their um, Windows uh, Melio file system and um which you know people have found some value with that as far as uh, i know that in talking to their customers during the um the m a cycle um i was part of the you know customer interviews um we found a lot obviously using it for pbs but others were using it for sequel um for profiles uh for other things um so they were using it you know farther up the stack so i think eventually um there'd be a marriage even there between sts and Emilio. um but uh, right now, I think a big, big focus is to be able to do a scale out design of um, of Zen desktop uh, using these you know workspace pods that we're building, uh, but using the Sambolic as the underlying software-defined storage player.
0: So would, would you say that the differentiator for buying Sambolic over other solutions out there um, was the app stack piece of it and, and, and more for that and integrating that with the SDS play? Uh, I,
1: you're asking me questions in the MA process, and all that's beyond a legal firewall. I can't, I can't okay. really discuss um, the the things that we went through during that process.
0: Okay, well, yeah, I'm just saying because you're look, looking at other players out there. Because you, you guys did a big push with um, with Atlantis on, on on doing that piece that that was announced um, here recently, and the the server integration with, with Atlantis, and you know, with you be also on the the technical advisor board for Nutanix, we were just seeing if, if that was kind of the differentiator. But that, that, that that's fine if we can't get into it. Let's let's talk more about um, workspace can, pod and then also I can tell you go ahead. I can definitely tell
1: you moving forward it's a differentiator um, and because you know I can't talk about how, how we make those but uh, moving forward it's absolutely differentiator right um, that we can actually work inside the Windows stack which you know for a Zen app administrator is kind of an important deal. I was uh, actually working on a little side project uh, a little while ago which is the the daMA uh, OST problem. Uh, for Outlook, you oh, know, in yeah. ZenApp that you can't <laughs> enable it. Um, and so I said, guys, well, we have this shared file system, could we actually just use a shared file, file system to uh, enable OST? And the, the trick was um, that since all ZenApp servers would see the exact same area, um, why can't we just enable it? So you basically your OST then is seen no matter what ZenApp server you log into. So it's just always there. Um, so it was a cool little thing. We actually got it to work um, in, that, in that way. So, hey, Darian, there's something for you to with if you've got the code. Um, but there was just some things that I didn't like in the way that we did it that I didn't think that it would be Microsoft-supported. Uh, I think that for us to do really what I want to in that project, that we have to go into the filter driver level, which makes me have to call our PVD guys in. Um, But in any case, I'm probably speaking way too much on that. Um, (laughs) um, But there's definitely some major differentiator that we have when we can start doing that kind of stuff, especially when you think about it in a ZenApp environment and how people use ZenApp.
2: Okay. Awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, the, obviously, the, the, just to hop back on Symbolic for a second, the, the, a lot of questions were asked in the industry. And I, it's a question that I received at least twice a week was, you know, well, what are Citrix doing with Uh And you've absolutely questioned that one, because, or you've absolutely answered that one, because uh, it wasn't a play for the, the technology as it stands or, or as Symbolic were selling it. You actually have made an acquisition for something that they maybe weren't public about. Would that be fair to say?
1: Um, I think that's symbolic. It wasn't that they weren't public. about. It. It's just called, you know, they're they're a smaller company. Right. And so, um, you know, them doing something new, um, it's they, they don't have the marketing to to get that message out there. And so uh, in, in the due diligence process, you know, we, we were taking a look at. Not just the product that they had GA, which we Milio, but also what they were writing, you know, what the code was that they were working on as the next thing. And that's where the SDS stuff, stuff came in. Oh, no, not completely. Yeah.
0: So is, is it going to, to take a, a lot to integrate that with, uh, with with Zen Server, or were they already pretty good down the road with that when you guys purchased them?
1: I wouldn't say that it would take a lot. Um, and I also wouldn't say that they were uh, a long ways down the road either. It's just. Um, we're integrating it. I think it kind of starts with Linux integration, which they were um, already down the road with that. Um, but ultimately, it's about getting into DOM0, right, uh, on Zen server. And uh, I think if you've heard me speak on, on this subject and you've heard me talk about the fact that uh, we don't buy uh, one piece of software that, that carves up our RAM and shares it between VMs another piece of software that carves up CPU and shares it between VMs, no, we just call that a hypervisor, and it, and it handles both of those things. Um, but for some reason, we're willing to say that storage is this other thing, um, even though it typically would sit within the same box. Um, that you know, I need to reach out to some other piece of software, and that's going to manage my storage. I just think that that's um, not the way that this market's going to do, could be moving forward. And so, moving the getting symbolic in a dom zero of Zen server is going to be uh, really important because now we can just take any. Anything that's inside the server box and carve it up, including storage. And I think that's ultimately how you solve the storage challenges with VDI.
0: Nice. So let's, uh, So interesting stuff there. And let's uh, let's jump along here to some other things. So let's talk about um, Linux desktops. Um, you know, there, there's been a, a tech preview and beta, and that uh, piece of it. Some surveys have gone out. Um, Kind of talk to us about, you know, the approach by Citrix for looking at Linux virtual desktops and applications, and then, you know, is it more of a a market play, or is it specific graphical application? You know, what's your your vision on the Linux piece of virtual desktops and applications?
1: I think it's the vertical play. um, That we see a lot of demand for Linux in certain verticals, like oil and gas, and um, that's Kind of one thing that we want to do is we we want to go, you know, Zen app and Zen Desktop, Citrix in general has been a very broad player in the market. Uh, you know, all all verticals, you know, we can kind of sell to a more general audience. Um, but one thing that we're doing moving forward is we're 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 deep diving into certain verticals. Um, and so obviously, you know, healthcare, education, federal, um, there are certain verticals that we've always been strong in, and so, you know, let's let's start double-clicking in those. And one of those is oil and gas, and when you start looking at oil and gas, um, you see a, a lot of need for Linux-based desktops uh, and also 3, 3D applications in those Linux desktops. So I think it's it's more um, strategic uh, within a vertical way. Um, but that doesn't mean, you know, other ones can't use it. It's just uh, we definitely see the need very strong in that market. Um, and, to, and to address your question, yeah, it's, we're looking at both, um, you know, Linux desktop and 3D applications.
0: Yeah, because one, one thing I've ran into in, in, in the past, and I've had some customers even for development and, and other different situations where they've found the need for it, uh, Linux desktops. And we've kind of found some workarounds, you know, doing kind of double hop scenarios uh, and so forth. So it, it's good to see more more um more players in this market um you know VWorkspace is gonna have it for a while you know Citrix is, is doing it um and vmware has, has talked about it so it's good to see it, it's being more generally accepted in the market now
1: yeah i think I'll be, I, I think a lot of people have been uh asking about this for years and years and years um and honestly guys um from my standpoint it, i always questioned if it's even worth it Um, but smarter people than me have said, yes, it is. (laughs) And uh, so we've kind of uh, pushed forward with it. Um, And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that takes off. I I have a lot of just concern about Linux in general because there's just so many flavors of it. It's very difficult to keep up with it. Um, But based on, we did that uh, external uh, survey, and the external survey, the data from that thing was really clear of like what they need. And so when you when you use that data, you can actually um, limit it. So you know you take you take out the big ones that these that these um, you know these verticals are looking for. And so therefore, you get more narrow, but you get what what you really want out of it. Meaning you know maybe we, we support you know, three flavors of Linux or something like that, and that starts to look a little bit more attractive because frankly, Windows has got you know a bunch of different flavors of Windows Seven. And Vista, do we still support Vista? I don't know. Um, so, um, you know, being able to limit that actually helps us be able to make sure that we do a, a really good user experience on it as well.
0: So, um, um, kind of speaking out, we mentioned Synergy 2015 earlier. So, you know, it's coming up here, what, in less than two months. So, what kind of excites you uh, about the upcoming Synergy conference? And then anything you can share, or give us a hint about, you know, in the meantime? Um
1: honestly i don't think there's much i mean you know you guys know this we've been in this field for a while synergy is where we make a lot of our fun announcements um and for me to talk about what excites me, me requires me to give you hints of what we're announcing <laughs> <laughs> um so um i'm excited for the things that i can't talk about uh, I'll, I'll just put it that way um that we want to leave a surprise for synergy so um let's let's just leave it at that there's a lot of cool stuff coming out. obviously excited for uh, the messaging we're gonna have around Workspace Cloud, uh, just because that's probably one of the coolest things we're doing as a company, and I'm excited to get that in front of more people.
0: Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, Workspace Cloud, and then, you know, also Workspace Pod, you know, some of the stuff you guys are doing there, you know, there were some announcements out there with um, Data on and, and HP Moonshot. Um, do, do you expect us to see more vendors get into the Workspace Pod play? Um, you know, any any vision on, on that piece of, of the, the puzzle there?
1: Uh, I would expect you to see more, yes.
0: Okay. <laughs> let's kind of move on because we uh, <laughs> trying to get some uh, some stuff out of here. But um, well, let's move on to some things here. Um, so at uh, Summit, we were on the floor, expo floor. Um, you, myself, a couple other guys, you had Steven Vikes come over and um, show us some, some right. fun FrameHawk stuff you guys play with on the lab side. Um can you talk about some of that stuff and some of the Framehawk and HDX stack integration?
1: What? Me talk about protocols? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I can talk anything you want about Framehawk. Uh, I'll, I'll try to do Steve uh, um, justice here. He's he's a lot more fun to talk to than me, though.
0: Yeah, one of the cool things you you guys were kind of showing us was kind of some of the colorblind stuff and, and, the, and the watermark stuff that you guys are just playing around with. Not, not like an official thing you guys are doing, but just some... Some different ways that, you know, the the possibilities that can be done with, uh, with FrameHawk and the applications for it. Um,
1: yes. So FrameHawk is a framework. And that's what a lot of people um, don't realize is that it's a completely different framework for constructing uh, or maybe I should say deconstructing a, a desktop or an application. Um, and so what you got what you saw at summit what I brought Stephen over for was just to see some of our uh, interesting projects that we do internally um, with with this framework and you know one of them was this watermark thing that you saw which I think is really fun because um, Stephen's had this fun idea for a while it was that you could potentially do free desktop you know if you want to do like desktop as a service because of the way that the the watermark works, so let me explain a little bit different. Um, if you think about how a computer works today, you got to, you got your computer and then you got a monitor, and how do they connect? Well, they connect with you know DVI or HDMI or something like that. Um, well, the way that the the protocol works is that protocol is kind of the replacement of that DVI cable, right? Something's running somewhere and it's sending bits over to a monitor, and we put those protocols or we put those bits into a protocol. Well, all of a sudden, we can have we can manipulate anything that's on the screen, and that's what uh, Steven's doing with Framehawk. And so, one thing he could do is he he could actually set send in a completely separate screen or a completely separate layer and um, layered on top of the screen. So his idea was, you know, we could do a free service and we could actually layer in an at an ad. Um, and you wouldn't be able to make it go away because it's literally coming in kind of on that DVI cable layer. There's nothing on. It's nothing using your desktop, right? It's not using your CPU RAM. There's no way to kill it. <laughs> it would just be layered inside of there, and it's just coming within that stream and. He had to be much smarter than me to try to make that go away, and so um, I was actually working on a side project that I had to table for the time being. Of I wanted I wanted people to be able to log in, and then there's just kind of a video on the screen that you're that you're watching, but you don't realize that that's coming in through a separate layer. Um, so there's no way for you to make that video go away because I wanted it to be like kind of an intro video to a new service that we're launching. And um, but it's it's interesting, and you know he was using it for watermark. Um, but it was just the, the applications for this thing were really cool. So one of them uh, that you saw was if, if we control the different layers, and we could actually um, change the way that the colors are to solve color blindness. He also had one um, where he has a guy who's nearsighted inside of Hawk, and they were actually working on how they could uh, basically just l- – take your desktop, layer, layer your desktop on top of another des- identical desktop, right? Just basically take your stream, split it out in two streams, and then layer it right back on top of each other. But by doing that, offset the second desktop a little bit to to offset your um, your vision. So you actually, if you were um, nearsighted, you actually wouldn't have to wear glasses while looking at your computer screen. And what was crazy is to have talking to the guys like this I was looking at the screen and it was like messing with my eyes to look at it. <laughs> but to him he said this I can I can read it. <laughs> it's like wow without without his glasses on. So that's that's the advantage of someone like Stephen and the frame hall guys is that that stuff is obviously next next level junk that it's not about, you know, how much bandwidth does something use or, you know, what kind of frame rate do you get, which is the typical stuff that the three of us would probably be focused on um, he's out there, you know, trying to change the way that we use um, these protocols. So you saw the layering is is kind of one one of those technologies.
0: Yeah, it's good to see that on on the expo floor. And then even during the the keynote, Tim showing the 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 different um, um, bandwidth and, and packet loss scenarios as well. And you had um, him show that. So it, it's very cool to see some of the applications and, and possibilities with, with Framehawk. And I look forward to. When, when that's fully integrated into the HDX stack and actually out for all the customers to use, because I think that's a, a pretty cool technology that y- you guys have acquired here. So,
1: yeah, it's, it's very cool technology. That's, let me clarify because uh, hopefully, you know, your listeners are the type of people that would understand like uh, the idea of where you use certain technologies. Framehawk is not a um, silver bullet, right? It's not going to be something that solves every challenge in the world. In fact. Oh, my just went to sleep. Um, you guys still there? Yeah, we're still here. Okay, um, it, it's designed specifically for these um, high latency, really high I/O um, workload. So it's designed for satellite links or three uh, G, four G, terrible Wi-Fi scenarios. Um, if you're in a LAN, you're probably never going to see Framehawk. You know, in a LAN, you got a hundred or gigabit speeds. And there's no real need to, to bother with uh, bringing FrameHawk into that. Um, so I just want to be clear and set expectations here of, of what FrameHawk is. Now, some of the framework stuff that we were just talking about, that's different, right? That's not about protocol so much. It's just a framework that what we can do uh, with the protocol. Um, but as far as the more on the protocol side and the and the loss latency scenarios, um, when most people think of FrameHawk, they're going to start thinking of, of, of it in that context of, um, we, we want to uh, make uh, those really poor network scenarios run really well. But I just want to you know, kind of level set that. There's within the HDX toolbox, there's a lot of things we can reach in there, you know, super codecs to you know, all, all kinds of different stuff. And one of those things that we're now going to be able to pull into is, oh, look, you're on a terrible network. We're going to pull in we're going to use some of this framework technology and use that to, to solve the challenges of the bad network.
2: Very nice. So, Understood. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that, that clarification is really good, too, because it's, it's the first question that's, that will, will be posed to to many, many consultants and many you know IT administrators out there, you know, what Framework is going to do. And it's uh, it's good of you to, 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 to level that expectation straight away to say that, you know, it is a use case, you know, in the first part. But the framework has so much potential that it's a, it's a space to watch. Yeah. I mean, come on, guys. We, we've all been in this. It's all, it's all use case, right? Yep, it's
1: <laughs> it, all about the use cases, always, definitely. It depends.
0: <laughs> yep. It always depends answer so as we're we're winding things down here and you know one thing we always ask everyone that we ha- we have on the frontline chatter podcast is um, about different technology you're watching or you know what excites you uh, about it and this can be anything it doesn't have to be citrix just have virtualization application any you can be anything out there um, so you know what technology on the market are you kind of watching at the moment and, and what excites you about it
1: um well, there's multiple, um, but I want to get to, uh, I'll try to just go through them real, real fast for me. So uh, OpenStack, uh, because I'm a data center guy um, and I'm very comfortable, you know, standing up data centers. Um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm just interested in the, what we're doing or what's going on with OpenStack community, obviously with how that, uh, our cloud platform play. Um, so this is something that I personally am really interested in it's just, it's a nat- natural progression for someone like me, and I'm sure you guys as well. That um, when you're in the data center, you've been you've been keeping up with the trends of the data center for years and years and years, right? It used to be big big BGA cables and USBs going to a KVM, and I remember when I got like my first IP-based KVM, so I could log into the KVM and then use the KVM to control my servers. And then of course you get like HP. ILO and then the KVM starts going away and virtualization then comes out, you know, it's all, um, you know, just keeping up with the data center, trends transit data center for years and years. And now with that going to a cloud approach and OpenStack kind of being synonymous with that, even if it's true or not, um, I'm, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in, in how, how we sit within that, within cloud stack. Um, so it's just me as, as kind of a, a nerd and, and been connected to the data center for a long time uh, that I'm interested in, in, in that world. Um, the other one that's more uh, less grounded in enterprise, like today, would be the big data stuff. Um, I'm vastly in, interested in that because my... I just believe that there's so much value that we have yet to extrapolate from big data. It's it's insane. I mean, I I, I talk about our how I hypothesize internally like what if what if we actually had the data that showed every single ICA connection ever made, um, the to show what how it performed over all kinds of different network types. I mean, what if you could just get all of that data, every last a bit of that obviously you know all anonymized type of stuff but um, just to just to understand how our protocol worked over different type of uh, endpoint devices over different type of networks over different type of um, you know back-end operating systems it that type of data would make us at The strongest, I mean, we're already the strongest protocol company, but just imagine what we could do with that kind of stuff. Um, Imagine if we had the same kind of uh, stuff inside of ZenApp and like, what is the most common policies that people use? Um, You know, we already have some data in our telemetry systems, like what are the most common applications that people publish? But that kind of stuff uh, gets me crazy excited because, I mean, as a Gartner analyst, that's kind of what I did, right, was you consolidate your information from, you know, hundreds or thousands of customers. And a lot of times the customers call you and say, how does, you know, someone else in the healthcare industry using this, um, using Zen app or using Zen desktop or whatever. And you give them that in, that insight and that's a, a big value that Gartner brings. Imagine if that was just something that was naturally a component of Zen Apps and desktop. And that's one thing that also makes me excited about workspace cloud because all of a sudden that's all running in the cloud. I mean, we're starting to get that data. Um, so big data and allowing us to have the kind of business analytics that comes with big data is crazy exciting to me. And I also just think, um I'm doing a, a TED-style Ted talk next week. And um, one of the things that I'm probably going to touch on is this whole idea that the world is moving towards this big data. Um, like, you know, next week I, fl- I, I have two flights, one to Florida, one to Pittsburgh. Um, and and each flight i know i think i've uh, heard it at a conference that there's a terabyte of information that is gathered every time there's a flight and think think of all the other information about uh, my ticketing my going through security all of that is being tracked all that's being logged somewhere so, like imagine how much data i created for all these companies as i uh, as i go around or my, the the information my my car tracks on me um all that information the bigger it is um the more it's locked to one location so now you've got to kind of have this conundrum that I have, you know, petabytes of data sitting in a single location, but the industry is the exact opposite, right? The industry is m- mobile. It's, it's all over the place. It, and how do I actually use that data and benefit from that data when I don't always want to be right next to the data? And so I think Citrix has an interesting um, message around that. I don't think we've really carved it out, but it's something I'm thinking about. Uh, is if you want to be remote, but your data is this, you know, massive anchor that can never move because it's so freaking big. Um, so you know, what what can Citrix add to that that type of mentality? And also, just big data is crazy. Like the deep learning stuff they're talking about at GTC, um, just phenomenally scary and awesome technology. Like you, I was sitting at GTC and I was like, Skynet has already launched. We just haven't realized it yet. <laughs> um, it's it's just really just interesting technology. But one thing I want to I leave on is, you asked me what I'm keenly watching, and I just gave you kind of my geeky answers because they're my honest answers. But there's a there's this other point that's more directed towards you know an internal Citrix thing, um, and I'll share it with you real quick, which is that um, I believe that there's a change coming, uh, if it's not already here, is how we look at ZenApp and Zen Desktop. Um, I I actually think that XenApp and Desktop are really great technologies for what they are, which is remote delivery of be it a desktop or an application. Um, but ultimately, and I think I've shared this at Summit as well, um, it's there's kind of this weird fiefdom with it, and that these are not silver bullet technologies, right? You don't. I've I've seen a very small handful of environments that have done 100 vdi most of the time it's around 30 percent um, if you're deciding to do vdi you'll probably find it maybe about a third of your workload you're pretty happy with it zen app i think you'd find it more more common across the entire uh, organization um but ultimately the customer question today is i have I have devices, and how do I manage these things? And the device—I don't care if it's mobile or if it's local. You know, if it's a big, that expensive PC or if it's an Android device. The customer question is: I have these devices. I have these different operating systems. How do you help me manage that? And so, I actually think then mobile is the center of our universe. I just don't think that we've really. Uh, Realized that yet, and I also think Zen Mobile is a name isn't necessarily the best name because it's not just about mobility. Um, I, I say this on stage often. It's like talking about mobility is like talking about breathing. I don't need to talk say that I'm breathing as you and I are talking. Obviously, we have to breathe to stay alive. Well, mobility is just a natural extension of what all of us do these days. So I, I don't think we need to carve it out and say Zen Mobile is mobility because it's more than that, right? Of course, it can handle Android. Of course, it can handle iOS. But it's also moving and doing OS X, right? And you—you I mean, you guys saw my screen. I'm running uh, a Mac, uh, the Mac Pro, the big, you know, c- uh, cylinder uh, thing in my house. Um, and then there's, you know, the Windows world. I think that customers want an answer to device management and they don't care what the device is Uh, a a big fat device a thin client a a mobile device and they want an answer to application management and the same thing they don't care what what different operating system we want to solve app management and then you look at the direction that this this industry is going um you know app management is becoming an api thing that we have uh you know just a, a simple api with android or um ios and it's also uh, all these uh, applications are containerized. Um, so it becomes really easy for Zen Mobile to drop a container of an app on top of uh, Android iOS. And, op- uh, and OS X also is a containerized approach to applications. And now when we look at Windows 10, uh, at least what's been publicly announced, we see that it's moving in that same direction, containerized applications, API-driven level application management. All of a sudden, when you start thinking about that, you think, well, there it is, right? It is... I want if I want to manage my my device, if I want to manage my application, then Zen Mobile stops becoming just mobile. It becomes everything. And so I can push applications out to any device, be it uh, mobile or non-mobile. Um, and as an extension of that, you can say, well, XenApp has its benefits, too. And so I like the idea that we manage the application. I don't care if it's a native application or a remotely delivered application. We're just going to solve the customer challenge, which is applications, right? And the same thing with devices. I don't care if it's a, a laptop or if it's a, a remote desktop. We're just going to solve that challenge. And so I think there's uh, a lot of work and innovation that we can do around that space, and I'm, I'm excited for that as far as, uh, you know, your question was what excites me. That solving the customer challenge is ultimately what excites me, and the technology that we build to do it um, just becomes, you know, putting on the cake.
0: Yeah, and I agree with that too because, you know, there, there's something back I've given at some of the meetings I've, I've had with Citrix is that you, you, you guys already have some of the, the stuff to get into Windows, when I take that further into Windows and also look at OSX and other operating systems as well. So it'd be good to see something like that, you know, evolve as, as that technology comes along um, into more widespread management of different applications, different operating systems, and get away from the mobile name as well. So I, I completely agree with that. Oh, cool. Um, so thank you again for for joining us today. We appreciate your time. We know you're busy and and everything with a lot of stuff coming on and also leading into synergy. So um, thank you for joining us on Frontline Chatter Episode 6. This is uh, Jarian Gibson with with the co-host Andy Morgan, and thank you again to to Gunnar Burger for joining us today. Um, Thank you, Gunnar, and have a great weekend.
1: Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, Gunnar.